So you drafted a fantasy football team. Big deal. Ooh, Ooh wow. Oh. Good job. Drafting is only half the battle. A month from now, you're going to wake up, check your team, and see that your three best players are hurt. Now what? You need to play the waivers, make trades, know who to start. And that's what we're here for. We're coming to you four times a week during the regular season to give you everything you need to win your league and dominate your group chat. Search for the Ringer Fantasy Football Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with Fandle, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. Let's roll, baby. Bonus day, bonus coverage, New York, New York. And we had a little fun. Danny Heifetz and I in the Spotify green room. We're posting it as a podcast because it was so terrific. The Giants are now two and six. They continue to be good enough to lose. They got an uninspiring effort from the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs look nowhere close to being a Super Bowl team. The Giants had every opportunity to win this game. But the little things continue to bite this team in the ass. The lack of execution in short yardage. The lack of execution when it comes to time management. I don't know what Judge Judge is doing at the end of the first half. I don't know what Judge Judge is doing with his timeouts. Running two-yard outs on third and four. Those little things. Taunting penalties. Nonsensical penalties. BS. They come back to bite you. When you're not that good, you can't make those sort of mistakes. There's no moral victory for the Giants. The Chiefs were not very good today. The Chiefs gave you every opportunity to go and win the game. And the Giants basically were like, nah, we're disinterested. We're not going to take it. Don't make this about Andrew Thomas. Don't make this about Kenny Galladay. Don't make this about Saquon Barkley. Because every team in the damn league has injuries gore. Injuries gore. This game was there for the taking. The Giants didn't take it. I know you guys are probably sick and tired of hearing this. Good enough to lose. Again, good enough to lose as they're now two and six on the air. So you guys were unbelievable at the calls. Me and Heifetz, raw, unfiltered. It was a ton of fun. What's up, Max? JJ, what is up? You know, this is actually the first time that I am unmuting myself. So for those who have joined Danny and myself and the many others here at Rock and Roll on Spotify Green Room. It just goes to show you, if I can do it, you can do it. And, bro, thanks for doing this, number one. What a rotten, vile, miserable football game that was to watch. Let's throw this out there. Let's acknowledge this right out of the gate. The Chiefs sucked tonight. They were terrible. The Giants had every opportunity to win this game. And, unfortunately, brother, just had no ability to go and find a way to get it done. Watching this game felt like the way it feels like when you eat too much Halloween candy and then like two hours later you feel awful, but you can't do anything about it. You just got to wait. That was how I felt the whole game. It was horrible. I feel you on that. And listen, you have opportunities there. Second and 20, you let Kelsey go 15, 16 yards right down the field. You have the ridiculous taunting call. You have bad clock management from Judge on both ends of the spectrum. And Danny, I've said this, and I know I mentioned this to you when you came on with me a couple weeks ago. The Giants are good enough to lose. I feel like I say it every week. I don't want to hear the rah-rah, we were close, we were in this game. They're good enough to lose. Don't make this out to be that this is some powerhouse Kansas City team. It's not a powerhouse Kansas City team. And you're just not feeling it, bro, with this team. Let me ask you a question, because you're a diehard Giant fan. I'm not. What do you feel good about currently with this team? The quarterback, who's okay? Listen, the quarterback, I'll give the quarterback this. 
He, the quarterback was okay, but what is he doing at the end of the game taking those sacks? You cannot take those two that sack on third down, second and third down at the end of the game. So I'm going to do something unusual. I'm actually going to give Daniel Jones kind of a break. And sure. I don't always say I agree that with because that. here's I've been very, very hard on Daniel Jones, as I think a lot of people know that have listened to me. This is a game where Kenny Galladay was out, Saquon Barkley was out, Sterling Shepard left in the middle, Kadaris Tony left in the middle. I, I think Kadaris Tony left twice and he started late. Dante Pettis left. I mean, everyone was hurt, and that's not even mentioning all the offensive line injuries that I don't think I could count them all off the top of my head. I mean, we're basically talking if you include starters that became starters after the starters got hurt, it's almost like 11 actual people that should be playing in this game were out. So I'm not going to give him crap because he's the timing's off on the plays. Here's what I am upset about. And I'm curious. I want to get a couple things off my chest and then JJ, we can bring up a bunch of people. The thing that upsets me is the things that are mistakes by the way the giants hold themselves accountable. Joe judge loves all off season to talk about, you know, they're running laps, they're playing hard, they, you know, but the mental mistakes, the mental errors happen every week, Danny. Danny, it happened every single week. Every single week they happen with this team. I, I, there was a stat that flashed across the screen in this game that I, I actually, so here's the thing. The Giants formally now have the worst record in football over the last five years, like period. The Giants are, are the worst team in the NFL by record. In, five, in the last five years. What's the Bill Parcellism? You are what your record says you are, and the Jets are the second worst. That's the state of New York football. But the other stat is the Giants have been outscored 42 to nothing in the final two minutes of the first half. I'm going to say that again. The Giants have been outscored 42 to zero in the final two minutes of the first half. One week ago today on the Manning cast, Tom Brady talked about how the most underrated part of winning games is scoring at the end of half at the end of the first half. End of the half and the beginning of the second half. That was always the Belichick theory, Danny. End of the first half, beginning of the second half. So when I see Joe Judge mismanaging the clock, completely mismanaging how to handle these end of game situations, not preparing his players to have their heads on their shoulders in the right moment. And, and and the grand irony is that you have this taunting call. Well who pushed for the taunting call, JJ? John Mara pushed for the taunting call. The, the taunting rule would be he was as big of a force behind it as anyone. So this whole game, what what do I feel good about? Honestly, very little. I'm so, on one hand, it's cool to hang with the chief. Yeah, I mean, there's not much to feel good about, bro. When, when your team is two and six on the air, it, it's tough to sell moral victories. And again, you're not selling a moral victory of playing the Chiefs from a year ago or two years ago or three years ago because clearly this is not the same team. Clearly, this is a team that's missing something right about now. And you mentioned the inability to get it done at the end of the first half. How about when you're driving, you're third and four, you got a receiver running a two-yard out, and then you're going to proceed to kick a field goal? That basically, in a nutshell, Danny Heifetz, sums up the sort of losing football we've seen with Big Blue. That sums it up. Did you, did you watch the regular ESPN? So I was, I, I was bouncing back and forth. Now, at this particular moment in the game, I had the Manning cast on, and I could just see how horrified, how disgusted Peyton and Eli were with the overall reaction. They were disgusted. Strahan said right before that, because it was third and four, Michael Strahan's like, why do offenses always run three-yard plays in third and four? And then the Giants did it. And the fact that Jason Garrett was predictable and Michael Strahan saw it coming, but Jason Garrett's now on the Giants, and Michael Strahan's watching the Giants was such a, like, like it messed with my head. It also messed with my head that John Stewart comes on the Giants the Manning cast, the Manning cast broadcast, which is unofficially the Giants broadcast tonight and basically says, why are the Giants running all these RPOs with Daniel Jones? Didn't he just had a concussion two weeks ago? And the Manning's are like, ah, it's important. And then Michael Strahan comes on and says, why are the Giants running all these RPOs with, with Daniel Jones? And it's like, I can't believe that Michael Strahan and John Stewart were on the same page about this. The, the only good silver lining I wanted to throw out. And then I want to bring some people up. I'm going to delegate that to you because you're uh, you're the expert at that. But the one I want to shout out Patrick Graham because for all that happened tonight, they had a good defensive game plan. I'll give him credit for that. They took Kelsey away. Aside from that big play when they set up the game-winning field goal, it felt like Kelsey did nothing in the game. Absolutely nothing in the game. And how frustrated was Mahomes? It felt like Mahomes it, scored 20 points. But let's be real, the, they only got that first touchdown they got because Daniel because of the interception, of course. Yeah. But here's the reality. The Leonard, the Leonard Williams strip sack, that play 
I mean, it's like the cover zero, right? With the no safety help, but they doubled it, Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill. That was cool. They were doing a lot. I mean, Bradbury was great on Kelsey and, and they did what every team has done for the last month, which is they made him Mahomes be patient. He couldn't do it. But anyway, I, I mean, Patrick Graham, he took the air out of the crowd. I thought Lewis Riddick made a cool point. I was bouncing between the broadcast too. And he was like, I can't believe Daniel Jones can audible right now because KC is usually the second loudest stadium in the NFL after Seattle. But Daniel Jones could do it because the defense took the air out of the crowd. That was cool. I'll give Patrick Graham credit. No one else deserves credit. Okay. JJ, I'm going to make you the host right now. Perfect. I'm going to give you one parting note. And not really a parting note. It's a parting note before I end up taking a bunch of calls. And listen, Heifetz is on fire right now. We are going to be bringing it all night here. Post-game, Monday Night Football. The Giants are 2-6. and six. That's the reality, Danny. Before we take a bunch of calls here, we could wax poetic. Defense played well today. Yes, Jones, for the most part, played a clean game. The Giants are 2-6, and six, and reality, again, is hitting home that this is going to end up being another lost year for this franchise. You know it and I know it. I mean, not that you didn't know this already, but when you're 2-6, and six, it kind of hits home that much well, more. Look, you know what I mean? Thing. We're, we're at the point where I, John Mary is either going to look really stupid or he's going to have to clean house. And because he said before this season, he said, I'm tired of getting up here and making excuses. I'm tired of getting up here and explaining why we're not winning, why we're losing, why we're the worst team in football. And he didn't say there's a playoff mandate, but like he said, this team has to have a winning record. And now at the point where they're almost, they're all but guaranteed to not have a winning record this year. And again, Bill, look, Bill Parcells is one of the guys who made this franchise what it is and set the expectations and the Bill Parcells is and you are what your record are. The Giants are the worst team in record in football over the last five years. That includes the Browns going 0 and 16. I mean, think about that. I believe they're also the worst in the last four and the worst in the last three. They're worse than the, the Jacksonville Jaguars by like three games. They're the worst team. They're the worst team in football. And it's funny because this game was, was a 2017, right? It was almost, for a while, I was thinking it was going to be 21-17 because that was the score the Giants won the second Super Bowl over the Patriots by, 21-17. And, the, and that was 10 years ago. And to think about Eli Manning watching this game and what has happened in the 10 years since. This is a franchise with a second ownership, an inherited ownership group. Like, like the, the, they inherited from the, 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 the father. And they just seem to really just be so content resting on their laurels over the last decade that they really ha- there's no innovation, there's no creativity, and it comes from ownership on down. And it's time to move past to criticizing the Gettleman, and it's time to put John Mayer on the hot seat. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. Nah, I think that's totally fair. All right, Hyph, it's ton of calls. Let's lead it off. Daniel is going to join us. Danny Boy, take it away. What's up, buddy? Um, so I have a little bit of a specific question. Uh, I don't know if you guys are watching the Manning cast throughout the fourth quarter. Uh, they were saying that when Mahomes threw that uh, interception when we were offsides, uh, that he didn't know about that. And I kind of thought that was BS. I, I thought he exactly knew that, that there was an offside. Yeah, I got the sense personally, Dan. I mean, watching it, and I think I was on the regular broadcast at this point in time. Mahomes knew, I mean, at least in my opinion, that he had a free play on that particular down. I mean, that's the sense I got. Didn't you, Heifetz? I agree. I think that the Mahomes narrative that he's reckless uh, and the way the broadcast covered it, that was a free play. Yeah, I mean, he knew it was a free play. And listen, the bigger the bigger issue, though, Danny, is when you have second and 20, I don't want to hear about somebody jumping off sides. Second and 20, game is on the line. It's tied. Kansas City's backed up in their own territory. Get a stop, get off the field, and go win the damn game at that point. I'll say this. I don't know how many Chiefs fans are in this chat right now, but the Chiefs fans know second and 20 has actually weirdly been Mahomes' best down of his career. I swear to God. No, I, I understand that. But I think that all goes out the window with the way he's played this year. And with the way they've played this year. Because they, listen, your team has offensive line issues. My team, the Dolphins, don't get me started with their offensive line. Yeah, let that sink in. So we know a thing or two about bad offensive lines and how they could sabotage the season. So anytime I hear a fan base complain about offensive lines, Danny, I watch your team and I watch my team and it's basically hold my beer. All right, let's go to Charlie in Elmhurst, who joins Heifetz and JJ. What's up, Charlie? Hey, JJ. Well, uh, first, JJ, I was switching. I mean, I got the, both the Knicks and the uh, Giants on, but I got the, I mean, we forget about the Knicks. Uh, yeah, it's a shitty loss for the Knicks, but listen, they'll be fine. That's going to happen over 82. It's going to happen. JJ, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, the Giant. this team is a complete fraud. After, like, the last week's win, 
they're going to put together this kind of, you know, they're going to like, you know, sucker you and they're going to have this kind of stupid loss. And, and I can't stand this coach. I can't stand this coach. This whole team's a fraud. The fact that, I mean, yeah, I mean, Kansas City made 200, over 100 yards of penalty, but he's still making 80 yards of penalty. That, that, the number 48 of the, the Giants and defensively, well, doing wrestling shit. Uh, then the stupid taunting penalty, um, face mask, no discipline. Well, this team's, this, this clown's supposed to be preaching discipline. You're not preaching discipline. And, and what the hell was that in the timeout? What are you seeming that one timeout for before the two minute warning? What? Some Fugazi, Fugazi, what? Yeah. Try, game winning drive, you saving the time? Well, that's stupid. Clock minutes are stupid. Well, I wanted to get to this, Charlie. I'm glad that you brought this up because, hi, Fitz, I was going to bring this to your attention. I hated the way the Giants handled the end of the first half. I thought it was absolutely dreadful. Good call, Charlie. But when it comes to the timeout usage, did you have a major bone to pick with Judge inside those final three minutes? To go in the order you asked, the, the end of the first half I thought was revealing because it was revealing in that they didn't have a plan. I think that it's actually... You know, you assume that these guys work 90 hours a day for seven days that you think that there's always an intention. And yet on that last drive of the first half, you could kind of, I mean, here's what happened. They ran a draw. We're basically surprised how many yards Devontae Booker picked up, got a delay a game on a two minute drill. Think about that. They got a delay a game on a two minute drill and then took a knee. I mean, that's just not having a plan. They didn't want to do a Hail Mary. They didn't feel that they did. It's just, but there, that's, if, if you feel that, you know, you have too many receivers hurt to go and try something like that, then just knee the, knee the freaking ball down. It's, I know it's a very small thing to harp on, but it's just indicative of like Jason Garrett has at this point been running NFL offenses for like 14 years. How do they not have a competency minute drill at the beginning of the, at the end of the first half? At the end of this, uh, it's a complete joke. And enough, by the way, Danny, enough of the fade routes. Uh, is Randy Moss on this team? How many times do I need to see a goddamn fade route from the New York Giants? They don't have Randy Moss. At the end of the day, if you just, like, we can go into the specifics for whatever, till the cows come home. Here's the reality. We are rough. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I'll speak for me. I watched Jason Garrett's Cowboys for 10 years, and it was great. Like, I, even if the Giants weren't playing the Cowboys, because the Cowboys could eventually start to own us, watching Jason Garrett Blow these games with bad coaching, bad situational football, sloppy. That's the one thing about Jason Garrett doesn't get talked about enough. There's no attention to detail. There's no creativity. And to, for 10 years, I was so happy the Cowboys never fired him. And I'm, we're watching a Jason Garrett offense. Like, I can't really say that enough. I, I don't, I'm hard on Daniel Jones, but the fact that the Giants saw fit to hire him after going against him for a decade, there's a certain type of competitor that you relish being on the other sideline when you actually somehow convince yourself that that person should be with you. It's like you weren't even paying attention. I, I, like all these things to me just come back to there's no attention to detail, right down to the second and four fades, the end of the first half, the lack of timeouts. This is not 101, but it's like 201, and these guys should have PhDs. Hi, Fitz. Let's welcome in the legend himself, the Coney Island Cobra, joins us after a Monday night giant loss. Good evening, Cobra. I'm fucking disgusted right now with this fucking team. I mean, Again, this team actually this team doesn't even try to win. That's the problem. They had they put no emphasis on trying to win a ball game. I mean, Jason Garrett's been going up against Steve Spagnola in the division yes. for ten yes. fucking years. You should know that he's gonna bring the blitz every fucking time. Sorry. I don't know what they're doing. And Daniel Jones, again, whether it was be at the, the end of the first half, which again, I don't know what the fuck they were calling, like it was a preseason game. <laughs> What the fuck yeah. were they doing there? But then at the end there, again, I don't, again, I don't know what this team is doing, whether it's we go to Evan Ingram for, you know, again, to pick up three quick fucking yards, get set the fuck up and drive downfield. This team does not play to win. They play it safe. The game was in front of them. This is not vintage. Oh. City. They should have won this game. Maddie, I totally agree with that. Totally agree with that. The idea that this game was ungettable for the Giants is nonsense. This Kansas City team is vulnerable. This Kansas City team has issues. This game was dangling right in front of their faces. And unfortunately, Maddie, they didn't execute well enough to go and get it. Because you know what? This was not one of those games for three quarters where you said, 
wow, you know, the Giants are really lucky to be here. I didn't get that sense. I'm like, the Chiefs are playing like crap. Go win the game. Mahomes did not look like Mahomes tonight. They played well. Look, Graham's defense played well with Kelsey. But at the same time, how many timeouts does Patrick Graham have to take every fucking game that costs us? Can somebody ask, ask that question? I mean, he takes at least two timeouts, that defense. They never get set correctly. They, look, they got, sure. they got cut up by a hundred cuts tonight. Great. They didn't give up the big play. Big deal. At the end of the day, they lost. So they need, there needs to be some urgency here. Something needs to be done. I leave Penny in Kansas City and say, look, this shit, you, you know what? Sorry. Mistakes happen. This doesn't happen anymore. And then the other, the other thing, the, uh, the pig refs, they blew that fucking call at the end there. Which, well, the face mask, there was not a face mask on Kelsey. There was not a face mask on Kelsey. I mean, Lewis Riddick saw it as a face mask, like, you know, like he'll be a GM one day, but that's besides the point. Again, I'm tired of the excuses. This is not a, oh, you know, we played, and I don't want, if Judge comes out and says, oh, we played well, I don't want to hear it anymore. And again, we're going to have, I hate to say this, I don't want to, I've, I've held Daniel Jones's water for a long time. He's not the guy. I'm sorry. Even I think, you know, Eli would have probably, when he turns off the cast tonight, he'll probably say it to himself too. We can talk about, you know, Jones being Eli Light. He's not Eli. Eli in the two minute was amazing. This guy, this guy's not him. I'm sorry. They're in a weird spot, Matty. Excellent, excellent call. And Danny, moving forward, I think that's the overarching question for this team in the offseason. And who knows who's going to be making that call? When it comes to Daniel Jones, in general this year, he's played well. You look at his numbers. He's cleaned up the turnovers for the most part. He's not fumbling as much. We want to see what he's going to look like with a full complement. Andrew Thomas, Tony, Galladay, Barkley. But good luck waiting for that to happen all damn year. But you're going to reach a point where you kind of got to ask yourself as a franchise, do we have the quarterback? And... I don't think he's been bad, Danny, but to say that I'm like all in on Daniel Jones for the next like five to 10 years with the Giants. Mm, no, I'm Math, not. To go but uh, remember that thing, PEMDAS, right? I do remember PEMDAS. I didn't remember it well. I didn't do well in math, but I do remember. Yeah. Parentheses and then like got to multiplicate. The Giants have to do PEMDAS this season, like the offseason. They have to do the order operations because what do you, the three huge decisions, right? Your GM, your quarterback, and you got to decide if you're going to extend Saquon Barkley. Now, here's the thing. You have to do it in that order because you can't just decide quarterback because Dave Gettleman brought in Daniel Jones and Saquon. So if D- Dave Gettleman is not objective here, you have, like, like, you have to decide on Gettleman first because here's the thing. If you let Gettleman extend Daniel Jones and Saquon, that's not keeping Gettleman for another year. That's keeping Gettleman for at least two years. Because the worst thing you could do is keep Gettleman, let him extend Janet Jones, let him extend Saquon, use another draft picks, have this team suck again, and then fire Gettleman, hire a new GM and coaching staff. And guess what? Now they have to come in and fix Daniel Jones, do Saquon, waste it. Now we're talking about 2024 is like still a rebuilding year. You have to, in my, you have to fire Gettleman and we can go into a whole conversation about that. You got to fire Gettleman and the candidates have to come to you and present a vision for what the hell to do to this team. And you should have eight people come in and give you eight different visions of what to do with Daniel Jones, what to do with Saquon. And you actually open-mindedly listen to what they say. My opinion, I think, I don't think he can extend Saquon for league high money. I mean, you're the worst team in football with him. It's not his fault. Guy never plays. How, how are you giving him a big contract when a guy's never on the football field? Down, you're the worst team in the entire freaking league. There's not many guys in this team that are worth long-term. Bradbury's been a good signing. Leonard Williams has been good. Andrew Thomas, I think we all know, is getting better even though he's hurt. But like overall, there's not many guys coming up on the contract status docket that you're like, oh, well, you got to keep them. Everything can be reevaluated, but you have to get rid of Gettleman to reevaluate it because he's the most hard-headed GM I've ever seen. Let's head to Bradley. He's up next. He's going to join us. What's happening, Bradley? Hey, JJ. It's really good talking to you again, Dane. This is my first time talking to you. I mean, this is just, I can't, I can't remember a time where I've ever been so low and just so disappointed with the Giants. I mean, they are the laugh, they are officially the laughing stock mm. of the NFL. When a long time ago it used to be Cleveland. Now we, everyone's looking at us saying we are a pathetic franchise. 
And, you know, Danny, I just want to comment on your point before. I mean, I do definitely agree that Gelman has to go. I, I really do firmly believe that there has to be a, a house cleaning. But I personally do not trust John Merrill whatsoever because you know what? This is just, this is just as bad as it gets. Cause it's like the old saying goes, the fish rots from the head down. And this is on John Mara's hands. And the fact that and I'm done with J, uh, Jason Garrett, I think that guy should be fired. I, the, the one play that really got me really steamed tonight was that, th- that ridiculous third and fourth play where it was, it only pick up. You can't have a receiver running a two yard out there. Now, I don't know if that's the play call. I don't know if that is the receiver just running an improper route. But that's losing football right there, Bradley. Especially knowing that you don't have a coaching staff that's aggressive enough to go for it in that situation. You cannot run a two-yard out there under any circumstance. And it's just like, I'm looking at these guys. I look at the last play, uh, the last series, uh, right before they gave it back to Kansas City for them to go kick the field goal. I just saw no separation from the receivers. I didn't see Tony again separation, no separation from Slayton. I mean, I mean, this receiving court, I mean, it's, I mean, I know Sterling Shepard went down, but by the way, I want him gone too. I'm done seeing him getting injured, and he's such an injury-prone player. But this is, I mean, they just look like just horrible. I mean, awful. And I I mean, ugh, ugh, that's all I can say. (laughs) Ugh. <laughs> look, I agree. Look, the receivers were kind of banged up for this game. But to your point about John Mayer, I think that's the key because, look, it's very easy. It's very, very easy for me to sit up here on this on this virtual stage and be like, Gettleman's got to go. I think Bradley brings up a really good point in that the fish rots from the head. And here's the reality. The Mayors are very involved in the football operations. John Mara, Chris Mara, like there's the higher up members of this family are disproportionately involved in the team in a way that in a quieter way, you'd usually not, I'm not saying they're Jerry Jones, but it's closer to that than some other owners in the league who just stay out of the way, run the business and let the football people do football. That's not what the Giants are necessarily doing. I think in some ways, Dave Gettleman's job is partially, partially to take all the blame. The same way Roger Goodell's job is to take the blame for the owners. And you're like, you think Roger Goodell's an idiot, but his job is to be the shield for the 31 owners. I think in some ways, Gettleman's kind of the shield for this ownership group. So it, it, it it's look, John Mayer is not Dan Snyder. There's worse situations in the league. This team has won two Super Bowls in 20 years, and I'm sure other teams were pr- are probably looking at us and think it's ridiculous. But look, five years, worst record in the NFL. I I, I almost am interested in John Mayer's end of year press conference to explain what he thinks he needs to do as much as he thinks what the franchise needs to do. But um Well, I'm getting sick of it, quite frankly. Because I feel like we're doing it every single year, Danny. It's like this sort of like state of the franchise, where are we going? Uh, sick of the losing, sick of... Threat here is that watching this game on Monday Night Football, the other person they were thinking about hiring instead of Dave Gettleman was Lewis Riddick. And here's the thing. Lewis Riddick walked into that meeting and said, we're blowing this up. Eli Manning is too old and needs to be sunsetted. And like, we'll have him a very nice retirement party. You're going to blow it up. We're going to draft a quarterback. And he gave them a vision of, you are a bad team. You need to rebuild. Dave Gettleman walked into the meeting and said, I've... Said we can be a playoff team said that the 2017 season was a mirage, which anybody with half a brain could realize it wasn't a mirage, and that 2016 was far more of the mirage, quite frankly. Dave Gettleman had worked at a scout for the Giants for 20 years, 25 years. He'd been there for multiple different Super Bowl teams and said, I know the Giants' way. I know we can do this. Don't li- I know how to... Like, like, he pitched a familiarity. He pitched the easy road. Lewis Riddick told them the truth and pitched the hard road. And John Mara shows the easy and the familiar, which is not courageous. And that's how you become the worst team in football. Brandon is up next. He joins us, Danny. What's happening, Brandon? How we doing, baby? Brandon's got to unmute. I'll give him one more shot. Brandon, you got it? There we go. How we doing? How we doing? What's up, bud? I feel like shit. Uh, and there's a few things. That really- uh, join the club. Listen, I, I, see, I don't want to hear from you people because you've seen two Super Bowls, the young Giant fans in your lifetime. Try to be me watching the Dolphins every week. So when I hear you guys saying you're miserable, I get it. But realize it could be worse. You could be me. Just throwing it out there. Both should have had Justin Herbert and we didn't. But you know what, though? See, honestly, Brandon, that's one of 10,000 issues with my football team because it's not just about Justin Herbert, who, by the way, looked terrible against the New England Patriots yesterday. Terrible. And I was lucky enough to bet the Patriots. But how about every pick they had in the first and the second round over the last, like, three, five, ten years? 90% of them have turned out to be absolute dog shit. 
But that's, Brendan, how you turn out to be a bad football team. Simple as that. Jay, this is the one thing that really stood out to me, especially in the first half. I have no idea what the game plan was for Kadarius Tony going into this game. It seemed as though he was absent from a large portion of the plays in the first half. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, maybe he's been injured. They they want to they play it safe. But then he's returning a punt and getting absolutely walloped in the head. And I, I just, I don't know where the logic is in, in saying he's healthy, he can play, except that we're not going to use him until really the second half. And even then, he wasn't that huge a part of the game plan. But we're also going to ask him to do something that we've almost never seen him do at one of the most dangerous positions uh, in all of football. So, you know, you already have a team that's decimated by injury. I, I, it goes back to what Danny was referring to earlier. I don't know what the offensive game plan was tonight. And I frequently don't know what the offensive game plan was or is. And more to the point, it's just mind-blowing that we've managed to now lose two games in the final minute or two on an, on an, off, on an offsides, effectively. Because in this case, it negated the interception. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, when you go back to a guy like Joe Judge, who I was, you know, I, I admitted I was drinking the Kool-Aid last year. Uh, now it's kind of like, when you talk like a football coach, yeah, you act like a football coach, at least publicly, but I don't know the last time my football team or I don't know any football team in the first seven games of the season wound up losing the game on a, a pure mental error, a pure lack of situational awareness when they're playing. So, you know, it's, it's so I'm sorry. First of all, I completely agree, Brandon. To, I'm going to give a guess on the Kadarius Tony thing. I could be wrong. For all I know, the beat reporters have already reported something else. My guess with the Kadarius Tony thing is that Dante Pettis, the punt returner, got hurt early in the game, and that Kadarius Tony had to run in and start doing the punts. And then at, I don't remember when Shepard got hurt, but basically at halftime, I think Kadarius Tony was like, I'm good to go after doing the punt return. Let me just play. And they were like, all right, whatever, screw it. We can win this game. I think that's what happened in that they, the Pettis injury changed their calculus. But I don't know. It's a speculation. To your second but he's a guy that you need actively involved in the game plan. And listen, when he ends up hurting his thumb and then he misses some time in the third quarter, then obviously that's going to go out the window. But I kind of thought their pathway for winning this game, Danny, was going to be a lot of Kadarius, Tony, and was going to be a lot of Sterling Shepard. And it really turned out that wasn't the case. The reason they stayed in this game is the fact that their defense kept Kansas City off the scoreboard. That's why they were I, I think the Danny. point that, I'm sorry, Brandon, Brandon just made was that this is two games where they lost an offsides. I think that's a really good point. Yes. Think about that. From the disciplinarian, from the guy who's not supposed to tolerate this sort of stuff, where, you know, they talk about takes no talent. I remember Flores was preaching that his first year down in Miami. Well, you're not seeing great results with that his third year. Interesting they both happened on the road. And part of me, and again, this is just pure speculation, part of me wonders how much of this, the, the, the two specific offsides penalties, not like a larger thing, the two specific offsides is because Joe Judge's first year or Joe, Joe, like a formative year was like the um, the pandemic year with the no crowd. And I do wonder if like those two huge environments, right? Monday night football, the Washington games, Thursday night football, primetime, loud crowds, loud stadiums, late moment. If the defense, these young dudes just weren't used to like, a, like loud crowds on the road because the pandemic. Compared to what they had to deal with last year. But if you remember, I think we too, who was it? Dexter, what, what was it? Dexter Lawrence who jumps off sides? Yeah, so a guy like that has been in the league. I don't want to hear about it, you know? Not an excuse. All right, let's head to Eric. He's up next. What's happening, Eric? Hello, hello. Eric, hello. What's happening, bro? Hey, okay. So I got kind of a funny question. Uh, In a uh, Loser Leaves Town tag team match, you got one side, Gettleman and Judge, and the other side, uh, Aaron Boone and Cashman. Who do you Oh, it's Cashman. I mean, by default, listen, say what you want about Cashman the last couple of years. It's still Cashman can basically throw his resume on the table and say, come get some. And Gettleman cannot. Judge cannot. Boone cannot. So, I mean, listen, out of the four there, I mean, Cashman's in a class by himself. I think what Eric's saying is, would you rather have Cashman and Boone or Gettleman and Joe Judge? I still would have to have Cashman and Boone. As bad, listen, Eric, as bad as it is with Aaron Boone, and I can't stand him. And listen, I'm not exactly enamored in love with Brian Cashman with the state of affairs with the Yankees. At least the Yankees are in the postseason. I mean, the Giants, dude, 
how about this for a number? 17 and 39 with Dave Gettleman in charge. How's that? How's that sound? 17 and 39. You like that? I think one of my issues with Gettleman, man, is that the first thing he said was he was going to rebuild the lines on both. Get a bunch of hog mollies, right? I don't see it, man. Like, like Williams and Lawrence are good, but like, he, I believe Gettleman has brought in every single member of the offensive line at this point. Like, there's no holdovers. And it's a disaster. I know they're hurt, but it's like, it's a disaster. And they have no pass rush. You realize this as you evolve as a football fan over time. And I know we live in this like fantasy football era, folks, where like you're drooling numbers, you're drooling your fantasy teams, yada, yada, yada. When you don't have quality, competent offensive line play, you notice it. It can sabotage a year. And it's just, you know, like some things are easy on the eyes. That's like the polar opposite of that. That's like. Came in and said, we don't need the line to win. No, he tried to prioritize it. That, see, that's, that's what your team and my team has in common. They tried to prioritize offensive line play, and they've done a miserable, god-awful job, both teams, the Giants and the Dolphins, respectively, of trying to do it. Disgusting. Anastasia, Anastasia, I hope I have this right, but welcome. How are you? What's going on? Yes? Hi. Hello. Anastasia. What's Hi. up? Um, actually. How are you, dear? What's happening? Uh, terrible. <laughs> Ah, join a club. Misery loves company. Misery loves company. It's funny hearing all you New Yorkers because I'm actually a Giants fan and I'm not at all from New York. I'm from Houston, Texas. So, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's just awful. I mean, this team is beyond incompetent. It's just the losing. Like, it just like watching them any day of the week now, just like I already know I'm going to be miserable <laughs> when the three hours are over. And it's just, it is so frustrating. And I just, I just, oh, like, I'm just like, why can't we have a competent quarterback? Why can't we have a competent head coach? And I'm just like, everything is just a shit show. Wait, Anastasia, can I ask you a question? First of all, am I saying that right? Yes, you are. Anastasia, there we go. My bad. If I screwed it up, I butcher names all the time. So don't feel bad, Anastasia. It's a bad, uh, bad honor. There's still, I imagine, a lot of Cowboys fans, right? Oh, of course. And it's the worst because I hate the Cowboys beyond. What is it like? What is it like now that Jason Garrett's coaching the Giants' offense, and like you're around these Cowboys fans? What do they think? It is. It's just beyond awful. (laughs) Like because I because you know I'm 24, so like I've watched all of Jason Garrett's time as a head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and I always felt bad for them because I'm like, man, they have an idiot coaching their team. And then like as soon as I heard the news when he became our offensive coordinator, I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Like I just knew it was all downhill from there. This dude, Lex, he has zero creativity. We just run nothing that's fun or exciting on offense. It's just run the ball on first down, run the ball on second down. And it's like, it's just, it's awful. And like what makes this giant season worse is that they're so awful. And then the Dallas Cowboys, it's like they're legit good and could like win the Super Bowl. And that just makes me even sadder. I would make me ill too. And listen, I picked against the Cowboys yesterday, full disclosure. The biggest bet on the NFL card, Danny, that I had was the Minnesota Vikings. And that was before the Dak Prescott news. And then I see that from the Cowboy defense. I see that from Cousins in a primetime scenario. And dude, Dallas can absolutely win the NFC this year. I don't know if they're going to. I don't think they're necessarily the favorite. But there is a pathway for the Dallas Cowboys to end up in the Super Bowl. This they're year. in this small bucket of teams that are good enough to beat the Bucs. And I think the whole thing's about beating the Bucs and the, and the Packers. And like the Cowboys can do it. They're, they'll, look, every Super Bowl team needs luck. Obviously, they need Dak back, but they're good enough. And it's, uh, you know what? The worst part is the Cowboys are so good at drafting. It's unbelievable. It's the polar opposite of our two teams. And that's why they continue to be a force. They go and get a guy like Diggs, they go and find Parsons. Parsons all over the field, for goodness sakes. Uh, Think about it. Cedric Wilson, the entire offensive line continues to be a machine. They have a good offensive line, it feels like, every single year. It's, it's, I mean, it's infuriating because you just look at the team and you're like, oh, that's that's how you build a football team. And then they fix it and then they follow it up with these large contract extensions, but sometimes it burns them, like Jalen Smith. Yeah, sometimes you get Tyron Smith for eight years and $97 million when he's 21 years old. I mean, the, the Cowboys we don't like to give the credit to them because they're the Cowboys, but they're a well-run organization cloaked as like a clown car. Well, they have been, listen, they still have not gotten to the top of the mountain in the last, oh, God knows, 20, 25 years. They but have, it feels that way from afar. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know what? When you have a team that's not making the playoffs, when you have a team that's irrelevant, like 
let's put it this way. You'd still rather be the Giants over the Cowboys over the last 15 to 20 years. But, like, it gets to a point where you can't keep, like, resting on the laurels of those two Super Bowls. You know what I mean? You, you just can't. You can't keep, like, looking back at those two Super Bowls saying, hey, guess what? We're not going to win for the rest of our lives because we have them. It's a point where you're not trying to complain because you, you've done it. And then there's a point where, like, you're literally the worst team. <laughs> like, I can't, like, yeah, there's, there's got to be somewhat of a happy medium. Exactly. Like, I don't mean to be a broken record, but I feel like it can't be said enough. Like, when I think of the worst teams in football, I think of the Jaguars. I used to think of the Lions. Before the Lions, I think it was, like, the Bengals going back to, like, the mid-offs. Like, the Giants are the worst team. The Giants, I, I, like, they're the worst than the Jets. How is this possible? The great Jeff Money joins us, who had a deal with Jason Garrett for all those years with his football team. What's up, Jeff Money? What's up? Uh, congratulations, by the way. Hi, Fitz. Jeff Money went 3-0 heads up against yours truly. Uh, he had the Cowboys. He had the Titans. He had the Steelers. So I guess I got to call Jeff Money my daddy. Daddy. Um, also, this is an honor to be on with all your, your, your regulars, JJ. This is like truly an honor for me. <laughs> well, listen, this is what you call meeting in the minds. This is what you call a collaborative partnership. That's what we do around here, bro. That's what we do. Yeah, and the Chiefs ruined my 5-0 uh, and o for the Super Contest. Oh, no belly aching from you. You went 4-1 this week. I don't want to hear it, Jeff Money. I don't want to hear it. It's kind of boring game to watch. They're like watching paint dry. But I was watching the Manning telecast for the first time. That was pretty interesting. Oh, it's terrific. It's absolutely terrific. I mean, Heifetz, that's what I love so much about it. I feel like I learned so much football listening to those two guys geek it up. And Eli is incredibly funny. That, to me, has been a big takeaway of watching these each and every week. Eli's got a great, great sense Oh, my God. I have to say, you know what's so great about it? So the whole reason they do the Zoom is basically because Peyton and Eli were like, we're, they wanted Peyton to do ESPN, the regular announcer job. And he basically was like, I'm not traveling. I'm going to be with my kids. My kids do f flag football on Saturdays. I'm not traveling. So they took less, and they're just doing it from their house. And the irony is it's so much more entertaining because they're so much weirder. Like, Eli's making fun of Peyton eating the chicken with his hands. I can't believe they showed the video from eating chicken with his hands. And Eli's like, you had a fork and knife. What's wrong with you? It's hilarious. But also, it's so funny to see them doing, like, they just kind of see football on another dimension, another plane of existence. And they just are like, yeah, cover zero. And they can make it sound simple. And then the next play, they're like, oh, that's holding. He grabbed him. He grabbed him. Like, just the same way you and I are. It's, like, so relatable in a funny way. Well, that's what you love about it. It's the idea, basically, of having two Hall of Famers, two iconic NFL personalities, basically in like a ballroom scenario. The only thing that's missing, Heifetz, is a couple of cold ones in front of Eli and Peyton. That's about it. John Stewart came on and was like the human, uh, he was like the human id. You know, I'm a little annoyed I missed John Stewart. Was he the highlight of the Manning cast? He was funny because John Stewart came on and was just the most nervous Giants fan you've ever seen. It was perfect. Really? See, that's surprising. I wouldn't have expected that. He was, no, Johnson was incredible because here's why. He came on and um, there was an amazing moment where <laughs> like John Stewart is, uh, it's third and 11 and he realized, you know, you know, this is not the situation you want to be in. You know, this line isn't built for third and 11. And John Stewart's like, well, what is it built for, Eli, other than the free buffet at Golden Corral? Like, what, are the, what is this, this, this offensive line isn't built for anything. And Eli's like, John, you're putting me in a tough position. He's like, yeah, I know. Still, we're pulling no punches. I love it. I love it. I mean, that's what I want. That's what me and you would be doing if we were in This now. is what's funny to me about the Manning cast. John Stewart comes on and says, e Eli, I mean this in all seriousness. Daniel Jones had a concussion, like, I don't know, two weeks ago. Why are they doing all these RPOs? And then Eli defends him. And then Michael Strahan comes on, not knowing any of this conversation happened. And Michael Strahan says, Eli, Daniel Jones had a concussion two weeks ago. Why are they doing the RPS? And that's the funny thing about the Manning cast is sometimes they have the same thoughts you do. And there's no answer. Sometimes you're like, oh, you think there's all these high-level answers to these football questions you have? And you're like, nope, sometimes there's just dumb shit going on. Michael Strahan's like, why does the offense throw three-yard passes on four yards on third and four? I'm like, I've wondered that my whole life. Wow, there was a whole lot of belly aching going on with that particular play. That I could tell you, Hype. It's Miles up next. What's happening, Miles? What's going on, baby? Coming into this. Unbelievable. We're in fantasy. Well, Miles, let's go, baby. Hello. So you mentioned, uh, JJ, yeah. the Giants record with Gentlemen over the past uh, couple of years. I'll do you one better. Giants record in prime time since 2018 is 1 and 12. The only. Oh. Oh. 
Oh, let me guess. What is the only win they have 2018 and beyond prime time game? Holy smokes. I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm drawing a blank. The only primetime game they have won week 10, 2018 against the uh, Niners. Well, here's the thing. The Giants are just a huge market. Oh, that's right. I do remember that game. That was a hideous football game, though. Prime so, was were a huge market, and then they put us against good teams, and they hope that a lot of people will watch, and they do. That's why everyone hates us. That's why I think the Giants – I mean, people are so sick of us in primetime because, I mean – Right, which is – Yeah, but finally they're wising up to this with the scheduling because this year it's not like the Giants have gotten a ton of, like, marquee matchups. I mean, they got the Bucks, they got the Chiefs, and the football team early in the year. That's it. Thing last year, this is week eight, isn't it? Didn't we also get week eight Monday Night Football against the Bucks? But you notice what they're doing, though. They put the Giants on early in the year. They put the Bears on early in the year because you got the New York and the Chicago market, and it's like, let's get them out of the way. We get our big city rating, and that way we don't have to worry about these dog shit teams basically later in the year. This is just an embarrassing team. I, I really think that's my main takeaway. I mean, I could talk for we. I could talk forever about what we should do this offseason. Uh, I could talk forever about how bad. Like I'm just disappointed. But mostly, it's like this is not that fun anymore. And quite honestly, I kind of am losing interest. And I don't mean like I don't care. Obviously, I care. But it's like it's hard to be as invested as I feel like I was because I have very little hope that this will improve anytime soon. Do you have any? glimmer that the return of Barkley, the return of Galladay, having them with Tony, getting Thomas back on the offensive line can sucker you back in for the remainder of the year. Any hope of that, Danny? I think that as Alberto, one of my favorite guys, Alberto says it could be worse. I promise I'm a 34 year old Raider fan. I think he's correct. Tuck rule hit me at 12 years old. I think he's right about that. Yeah, I'd still be haunted. I'd still have nightmares about that one. Speaking of Alberto, by the way, uh, I'm going to hold your thought because Alberto is actually going to join us right now. What's up, Alberto? Yo, Alberto. You teed him up perfectly, so I tried to make the seamless transition. It's not working, though. There he is. I kept popping down, so I couldn't click back. To <laughs> It happens, Alberto. Welcome welcome to the 21st century. I feel your pain. I mean, first and foremost, I speak, I think, for most of us that are not from New York, the, the New York fans, we love the energy. I promise you we're not enjoying the misery. But the energy that y'all come with is amazing. And I love it. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's Spotify Gruner in a nutshell. And I'm so happy, listen, that we've been able to do so many of these over the last couple of months. I know Heifetz has been doing a ton. Sunday mornings are insane. He's doing the fantasy stuff. I'm doing the gambling stuff. So Heifetz, the ability to come in here and basically chop it up and shoot the shit and commiserate a little bit. I mean, that's why they asked me about this. I was like, yeah, when Heifetz, let's fucking go. And first of all, you JJ people, you don't know me. I meant to introduce myself. I'm Danny Heifetz. I do the Ring of Fantasy. Oh, stop it. Everybody knows who the hell you are. You don't even got to give them the introduction. I go to the Yankees game with you and people are coming up to you and like introduce themselves. I'm like, damn, you know you're good at talking when people recognize your face, even though you're just your voice from afar. Just in the middle of Yankee Stadium, people are just coming up like Jade. Ah, uh, that's either a good thing or a bad thing, Alberto. I don't know. I think he's trying to get me to blush. A little if bit. I may ask an actual question, yeah, though, hit me it's up, like, buddy. how long do you feel you should realistically give a quarterback before you give up? Because, I mean, as like I said, oh, as a Raider fan, I lived through a lot of crap. Like, Jamarcus Russell, uh, Ty, uh, what's, what was the running quarterback's name? Uh, Pryor? Pryor. Pryor. Just like a bunch of bad stuff. For 10 plus so years. Far, yeah. Daniel Jones is not your quarterback, right? I mean, he just can't be. I know that everyone gets hurt and things like that, but good co- good quarterbacks at least win you some games, right? You have to go at least 500 even with a crappy team, no? So I think the short answer to your question is the rookie contract because these guys are grossly underpaid. And then the second you have to decide, on the fifth-year option. So basically how it works is every rookie gets a four-year deal if you're drafted. The first-round picks, the team has a fifth-year option that pays them like 80% of what the real market value is. If the rookie contract's like 20% of the market value, the fifth year is like 80% of market value. That's why the Jets got rid of Sam Darnold because they didn't really want to pay him whatever it was, $24 million coming up, um, I think, next year. And the Panthers are like, yeah, sure, we'll do it. So that's really the answer is there's four years and you got to make that decision. Um, but with Jones specifically, if you had told me two months ago, what's the, you would ask me, what's worst case scenario for this giant season? 
my feeling was that Daniel Jones plays just well enough to get a contract extension, but not good enough that he's actually good. We're actually kind of on pace for that. We are on pace for that. Because he's been solid. And, and and by no means would I like lambaste him, Danny, and roast him for the year that he's had. Because I think for the most part, he's done what I kind of hoped he would do. But you want difference-making players at that position. And when it comes time to paying a quarterback and you look at where you're at as a franchise, you're not winning diddly squat. Is Daniel Jones a difference maker or a quarterback? I need to get rid of Daniel Jones this year. I need to get rid of Gettleman this year. And I need a new GM to come in with the authority to make a decision on Daniel Jones. To make I that don't call. want the next would agree to that. be hired on the condition that they, unspoken, you're going to keep Daniel Jones. You're going to extend Saquon because he's the face of the team. I mean, we can already look around the league and like extending Saquon's a disaster. Like, I mean, I, I love Saquon. He's a lovable guy. On the field, he's as electric as any player. I mean, he, he's awesome off the field. He's fun. He's just not the kind of player you want to give a huge contract to. It just doesn't make any sense in this team. It's the last thing that makes sense, honestly. The only thing about this team that's exciting is Kadarius Tony seems like the real deal, and I'm excited to see him get better. And I think Andrew Thomas actually might end up being a good left tackle. That's kind of it. What can I do, by the way, to convince you uh, what, how much money do I need to bribe you with to get you down to Miami for Dolphins and Giants? You know, I'm going to that shit show. Why? Because, because I already booked it and it's Florida in the month of December and New York is horrible in December, January, February. You could convince me. You could, you could, uh, we could talk. All right. I, I like that. It's not a no. I feel like I'm Robert Sala with Mike White. It's not a no. Let's head to Matt. He's up next. What's happening, Maddie? <laughs> this picture is incredible. It is. It's a, it's a well-played uh, GIF game. GIF game, whatever the hell you want to call it. Maddie, you there? Go once. There he is. What's up, bud? So, yeah, just wanted to talk about mainly DJ and his progression. So, like you said, how he fits, I say he's been all right this season and we're kind of in that annoying, shitty point where we're not sure if we want to extend him or not. My thought going in was last year, I was out on him because of the draft class. You had guys like Fields, obviously we weren't going to get Lawrence, but you had Fields, Mac Jones, who I'm in full-blown love with. I think he's going to be the Patriots franchise for the next 15 years. Um, but like Fields, Mac Jones, Lance, whatnot. This year's quarterback class is hot garbage. So I'm fully okay with having DJ next year. But he's been inconsistent this year. And obviously that has to do with Garrett. And who are the two terrible defenses the two worst defenses that we've played, Chiefs, Falcons, to get 14 and 17 points against yeah. those two defenses is absolutely despicable. Yeah, that's losing football. That's losing football. Bottom line, those are two defenses that have gotten torched by everybody. You could throw Washington in there, too. Now, Jones played probably his best game of the year outside of New Orleans in that game against Washington, and the Giants lost that game for a variety of different reasons. But yeah, Danny, you can't have 17 points in this game against that chief defense. There's so many problems here. I I wonder if we can just attack it through like the actual flow of the issue, which is John Mara clinging to this idea that the Giants can contend back in 2017, hiring Gettleman and getting stuck in his vortex and then not addressing the problem. And that extends down to hiring Jason Garrett. And Jason Garrett now is a play caller. Play calling. uh, Mike, I used to work with Mike Lombardi here at the ring. And Lombardi had this great saying that's like, there are, Play, like, like play calling is kind of like boxing. You set up punches, but some play callers know how to do that. Like Andy Reid and some people just call plays like you're in Madden. Jason Garrett just calls plays. Sometimes they're good, but there's no like wider ideology or philosophy or plan to setting up the plays. And then that leads to Daniel Jones and the inconsistency, the timing, all the issues we see with him. But that's because there's no wider belief system for what they're supposed to be doing there's no plan and then daniel jones looks as inconsistent as he does so yeah i mean i think you have to stick with them next year because they're all no there are no alternatives this offseason because the good quarterbacks aren't going to come to the giants and then the bad ones you don't want so you probably stick with them next year for an eight million dollar cap but guess what they'll probably suck again next year too and you can hopefully get a good one next year but that's where they're at but it's because john mara has kept hunting a teardown for so long that ironically they actually ha- have been in position to do it anyway, and they haven't done it. The hammer is up next. Hammer, take it away, baby. I don't have the hammer. 
We'll go from the hammer to Don. Don, what's up, pal? JJ, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic, Don. I won a bet tonight, so I'm actually in good mood. I had the uh, I had the Giants plus 11. I had a decent round of golf and the Giants covered. So from that standpoint, I'm okay. I'm over the Dolphins at this point. I think Heifetz is on life support. But that's I okay. followed your lead and thrown a couple of shekels down on the Giants then because uh, I'm not in the same as good mood as you are. But I haven't had a chance to talk to you since the Yankees brought back uh, our favorite manager, Boone. So it's been a, it's been a little bit. But a couple quick points on the on the G-men here. You know, when they punted during in tie game, 17-all, they punted when uh, four minutes left. I wasn't necessarily saying that they had to go for it, but you could, couldn't couldn't you tell? Yeah. Like, at that moment, I said out, 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 out loud here, they're going to lose this game by giving up a field. Yeah. I got about five texts from Giant fans, and I'm sure Danny probably felt the exact same way. The minute they punted the ball back to Kansas City, we're losing this game. That's what a majority of Giant fans felt because that's been the MO of the team. Good enough to lose. They lost like that over the last couple of seasons where they played just good enough to keep it close. It's, it's the whole idea of like good football teams find ways to win and bad football teams just find ways to lose in games that they're supposed to win, right? And they have lost so many games over the last few years that they really should have won in that exact same way. The defense, I can't really put this game on the defense. I mean, you can't they hold Kansas City to 20 points that you're supposed to win that game. This is... Yes. This is all on Thank the you. offense. It's all on Jason Garrett. I know Danny's had some great things to say about that already. But my biggest point, and what I, I think you guys have already hit on a little bit, is um, you know, I always view whether or not you have a franchise quarterback, and I try to keep it simple by this kind of one rule, which is when the game is on the line, do I have the guy that can win me the game? Right? When when you need that drive. And that's really what Eli was great at is we all know Eli was very mediocre most of his career, but in the biggest games, biggest drives, biggest moments, Eli won the games for us when we, when he really needed to. Right. And Daniel Jones, you know, has not done that yet. And who knows? I mean, I, he's shown that he has the abilities and the talents. We all see the arm strength. We all see that he's mobile. He can make the big plays at times, but he's yet to really come up with any moment yet that we can point to and say we won the game because he showed that he was the guy in that drive. He made the big throw. He made the big play. And this was a golden opportunity for him, man. 17, you're down 2017. It was. I know your uh, offensive line's a little banged up, but you got to find a way to make some plays. You got to win that game, and you got to prove that you're the guy. And he hasn't shown he's able to do that. And that's the biggest concern I have going forward with – you know, what do you do? You guys have already talked about all the options, but until he can prove that he can win those games against maybe even teams that they're not supposed to win, quote unquote, you can't have confidence in what this team's going to be going to be about because you just don't know if you actually have that guy. Well, the, I think to your point, though, the, I, I like your definition of like the quarterback. What's a quarterback? I think the, the ones I've come to, I, I have two kind of thoughts on what a franchise quarterback means. The first is that it's, it's I mean, it's really simple. Are you, do you make your teammates better? Or are you as good as your teammates allow you to be? It's like Andy Dalton is the perfect example. Andy Dalton's fine, but he's never made everyone around him better. He's, been ex- he's not elevating the guys around him. No shot. Uh, I, I think Daniel Jones, I, again, I don't want to be too hard on Daniel Jones. Like, I've been very hard on him. This receiving core, I mean, he's basically down. I can't do it off the top of my head. Four pass catchers, he's supposed to have five. I can't even count. I mean, John Ross, who was a first-round pick, kicked off the Bengals for basically being too hurt, is the healthiest guy on the Giants. I mean, that, that should tell you everything. But Joe, so I'm not going to be too hard on him. I actually think in a weird way he might have been helpful, but I, I want to judge him remembering that he threw a pick six tonight that didn't get caught. Like, Legereus Sneed slipped and really should have had a pick six that would have ended the game. And I'm trying to judge Jones knowing that that would have happened and everything he did would have had, had that happen. But I look at him also as a franchise quarterback supposed to be someone, it's like a basketball player. Who are the max contract guys really supposed to be? The super max guys. They're guys that can run an elite offense, but when shit goes bad, they can create their own shot out of nothing. Quarterbacking is the same way. Mahomes has been doing that for three years. I know it's not good. Kyler Murray, when everything goes wrong, creates his own shot. You don't have to just be the athletic, right? Tom Brady does that. Daniel Jones, I want to see if he can create his own shot because most of the time he tries, something goes wrong. But I also worry that he hasn't had a coaching staff around him 
to really bring the best out of him. But again, I, 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 I the thing I come back to is it just feels like they're going to extend this guy and we'll just be stuck with him. Just like the Eagles are stuck with Wentz and the Rams are stuck with that with golf. But like, you know, it's not like we got a freaking Super Bowl appearance out of this like they did. And that's a big difference. When you're losing games, patience is going to run thin. And it should run thin. Giants been as bad as it gets over the last five years. Let's take two more, and then we'll hit the trade deadline, and we'll say goodbye. Uh, ben joins us. What's happening, Ben? Ben, we're doing well. What's up, dude? question for me is, where do you go from here? I don't understand Giants actually move on. Like, <laughs> they have to let Daniel Jones walk, then come to terms with Joe Judge that he's not doing a good enough job. Gettleman has to leave. It seems like, like there's no way to be competitive for like four or five years. No, look, anything can happen in four years. I mean, again, the Browns were 0-16 like three years ago and like made the second round of the playoffs. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, look, we're not the 0-16 Browns. So. No, shit changes in the NFL. Shit changes in the NFL. Think about it. The Dolphins, the Dol- I'll use the Dolphins as an example. They go from tanking their 0-8 the following year, they're 8-4, sitting pretty for the postseason, and now they're back to 1-7. and seven. So, I mean, if that doesn't sum up the NFL in a nutshell, Danny, and the turnaround and the parity and the way you can go up and down and down and up, you can get to 9 or 10 wins with a couple of shrewd moves, good management, good coaching. But getting to the next level, that's the element that gets far more complicated. To quickly answer the question, you trade Evan Ingram and, and Jabril Peppers tomorrow. Peppers is hurt, so I don't know. But you trade Evan Ingram tomorrow, and then you... You think they will find a taker for Evan Ingram? So you're saying you get a... I agree. Sixth round pick, seventh round pick, I don't care. Get rid of him. Or take whatever you can get that you think matches the comp pick. Uh, you, you trade him. You just flip You flip the assets. It's not... You know, you just flip whatever you can. And you... I mean, you, you, fire, you fire the GM. I think you keep Daniel Jones, and... I th- if you can flip Saquon, I would flip Saquon, which that's more controversial. But or I just let Saquon walk and let him let him go let him go to free agents. I don't franchise tag. Take a third round pick and comp and just enjoy him. And like I I think that's that's the easy thing. And you get and you start hitting your freaking draft picks and you build the line and get a pass rush because again, Gettleman was like we need a line. He was right about that. We need an interior and you need a pass rush. This team has no pass rush. This team's all the glorious memories people have. People listening or the people whose your parents gave you your fandom. The one thing we all have in common is people remember the Giants pass rush. This team has none. Of course. OC, Tuck, Strahan, Kiwanuka. It's Leonard Williams just hopefully getting home. That's it. We'll take one more before we say goodbye. Scotty is up next. Scotty, take it away. Hey, Jay, hey guys. Uh, I'm going to keep it short because I know you guys got to go. My mom is sitting in the next room, but... I'm not going to complain about the Giants too much. I've seen them win two Super Bowls. Uh, I know JJ, you never seen the Dolphins win any. I think the last time the Dolphins won, my parents were seniors in high school, but. Yeah, I mean, don't remind me, Scotty. Don't remind me. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for that harsh reminder. Man, it's just brutal. I mean, I, I was talking with my father. He said the last time he hit the Giants were this bad was the seventies when he was in high school. I mean, that's how bad it's been. And I mean, my dad was a Vikings fan, so then mm. I was a Giants fan, but don't ask how that happened. But uh, thank God, because I'd be a Vikings fan too. But I just think that this team, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they just need a whole fire sale. Because between them and the Yankees, they're killing me. But thank God we got the Knicks and the Rangers. All right, I'm going to leave now. Peace. Scotty, appreciate it. Listen, I get it. The Nick- Knickerbocker is going to get me through a whole lot of nights when it's 20 degrees, snowy, and icy throughout New York City. Um, Heifetz, you were probably a little too young for the Dave Brown era, right? You missed. You didn't miss much. You didn't, you didn't miss much. You did not miss much. Dave Brown is one of the main reasons why I'm not a New York Giant fan, by the way. Because when I was growing up, the Jets were a debacle. The Giants were a debacle. Marino was kind of cool. The Dolphins were kind of cool. And I became a Dolphin fan. I guess that makes sense. I guess, I, I guess I'm just... And I missed out on two Super Bowls. And I missed out on two, like, iconic New York City moments that are not associated to me. Even though my dad would have steered me more in a Jet direction. Because my dad is a Jet fan. He's a child of the 60s and Joe Willingham. Good you escaped that. Fate worse than death. Okay, can I ask you a question? Surely. Tomorrow's the trade deadline. You want to do Daniel Jones for two straight up? Uh, no. Okay. But for what it's well, because, listen, I... Uh, if the Dolphins are making a trade for a quarterback, it, there's a disgruntled guy down. All right, Gutfield is Watson traded tomorrow. I say no chance. No it's chance. All smoke. No, it's no for a thousand reasons. No, 
Um, if there's a big name that's moved tomorrow. I was a little surprised with Von Miller today, but that's what the Rams do. The Rams are all in. They'll believe that they'll find somebody in the third or the fourth round. They don't value first and second round picks because they think they're really good at what they do. Who is the big name that might be moved tomorrow in your estimation? Oh, man, a big name? All right, I don't know if this is what you meant, but like Mallory Rubin made a great suggestion today, which is honestly the Broncos should trade Teddy Bridgewater back to the Saints and he should just be the quarterback for the Saints and the Jameis is out. I don't think that's a bad move at all because he knows the offense. He's been there. He's done that. Then Denver can play lock and realize that they have to go and get a quarterback next year, which is the worst kept secret in the world. Taysom Hill doing the weird Taysom Hill. Yeah, I don't want Hill as the quarterback for that team. Totally with you there. I don't want him as a quarterback. I want him as kind of that like jack of all trades gimmick type guy. They were were they four and one with five and one with Bridgewater. I, I know so that's, I know it's not like a huge name. It's not like a but I I actually yeah. But that would be the sort of move that would at least move the needle. You know, it's worth it's. Yeah, I think NFC teams would really take note if Teddy Bridgewater was like it's like you know that that's no longer that's not an easy win for Dallas or for Tampa Bay. So that that that's kind of the one thing I think is in the mix of like possible and kind of a big deal. But, you know, it's Teddy Bridgewater. I guess it's not the sexiest. What do you think? I don't really have a name for you. I don't. Um, you you want to tell me Devontae Parker's a name with the Dolphins? I mean, you want to tell me Jamison Crowder, even though I don't think the Jets are going to make moves after their win. Jamison Crowder. Shout out to this guy, Hayden Winks, uh, who does a great, great work at this uh, underdog fantasy. Hayden Winks made the point that if the Chiefs are going to be defended all season and teams are just going to sit in these too high safety look and let the Chiefs run and let Tyree Kill have like a thousand catches underneath. The Chiefs need to be done with Nico Hardman going deep because it's just not working. Nico Hardman was drafted to be a replacement for Tyree Kill. He's not a number two receiver. The Jets should trade Jameson Crowder to the Chiefs. And Jameson Crowder should be the underneath guy for Kansas City. Oh, uh, he'd feast. He, he'd catch 10 passes a game in that. Honestly, there's, I, he should be on Kansas City tomorrow, tomorrow morning. I like that. I like that. So if you're listening in Kansas City, we just gave you guys a really good suggestion. Not that, you know, you guys are completely clueless when it comes to running a football team. I think you've been pretty smart. I think you know a thing or two, Andy Reid and company. Just saying. But hey, little suggestion from Danny Heifetz and John Jastrzemski. So, buddy, this is a ton of fun. Don't be a stranger. Uh, hopefully the next time we do this, we can be, uh, you know, allowing you to get giddy. That would be nice. I, it'll be a long, hopefully we do it before then because that's going to be years from now. We, we'll do it in Miami. I like that I'm recruiting you down to South Florida, by the way. I like that. Shameless plug for Ringer Fantasy Football Show. We go Sundays, Mondays, Wednesdays, Friday. Really fun. We do a fun time. You like fantasy. Even if you don't like fantasy, I think you should check it out. Check out our Wednesday show tomorrow. It's going to be really fun. So, yeah, there you go. Follow me on Green Room. You can see where we go live. We like the Giants talk, and I can just kind of, you know, be, be sad with everyone. But thank you for having me, JJ. This has been No, thank you for having me. The feeling's mutual. New York, New York. We'll have this up. This whole great discussion will be posted as a pod. Heifetz, make sure you send the audio to Saruti, by the way. Uh, there's, some, there's some paperwork we're taking care of. We got a pod, though, tomorrow night. World Series Game 6. Thursday, we'll have all the football stuff after the Mike White experience. We'll see what he has in store for an encore. Follow Heifetz. Follow me. We got more green rooms. Sunday gambling NFL show. We got you covered every which way. For Heifetz, JJ signing off. Be good, everybody.